Brooklyn and staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards, here on Radio Free Brooklyn. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing this morning? Just great, I'm sure. You all are doing just wonderful. So I have a question. I know, right off the top, I have a question. How was your week? When you think about your week that just passed, how was it for you? It was Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, yeah, it was, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. One of those days was Valentine's Day, right? And 
I want to know, did all did all of you receive all the love and all the special doodads that you guys get on that day from your special one? Well, for those of you who had booze that bought you stuff, I'm so happy for you. And I hope that you received everything that you wanted. But for those of you who don't have those special people in your life, this show is especially for you. And for everybody else, of course. Of course, you know, my show that when I do it is for everyone, but it sometimes targets those who really need it. So today is going to be that day. And if you missed last week's show, you can go to my show page on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Look up What Would Kay Say? And you can go to my archives and you can listen to all my past shows. Or if you have Spotify, you can listen to on there. Or if you have Apple, if you have a, if you have an iPhone, you just go to podcast and it's on there on Apple. Or whatever podcast, whatever platform you get your podcast from, Trust me, I'm there. I I looked it up. I'm on some platforms I didn't know I was on, but I'm on there. So I'm pretty much everywhere if you're looking for me. And if you just go to Google, you'll find me there too. And they'll show you how to get to, you know, my pages. But, oh, yes, I said I was going to open up the phone lines today for anyone. I said it last week, so I might as well follow through. The number is 718-673-8201. For those of you who might want to call in when I have all these thousands of questions that I always ask you and I never give you a chance to respond. Well, last week I had said that I was feeling really out of it and I was just wondering if some of you were feeling that way as well. But I think I know why. And we're going to talk about that today. So the Bible tells us in various places that we should always extend forgiveness to others that have wronged us, right? One scripture actually tells us, Luke 6, 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you also, you also do to them likewise. In modern terms, Luke was saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But can I say, can I say it in a different way? I want to say today, do unto yourself as you would do unto others. Right? And if we're following this line of thinking of how to treat others, we should be able to apply that to ourselves as well. And that's where I said we're going to get into with those who didn't have booze to give them special things or special attention. because. We don't usually think about loving ourselves because the Bible teaches us that men will become lovers of themselves. And that's usually not a good thing. That's when he was talking about them being arrogant and self-centered and, you know, just self-absorbed. So last week in my monthly women's group, you know, I told you I belong to various women's groups. Well, not that many, but enough. And we had a meeting, you know, we had a session last week. Actually, it was actually on Valentine's Day. So, yeah, Valentine's Day was on Tuesday. We had it on Valentine's Day. 
And the speaker, the meeting speaker, talked about how it looks to love oneself. And when she asked the question, what does love look like when you're giving it to yourself? It left me a bit perplexed. Because I didn't know how to answer that question. I mean, I know what it looks like when I express it to others. But I wasn't exactly sure how it looked when I showed it to myself. So today we're going to look at how we can love ourselves as we love others. Today's topic, how do I love me? Let me count the ways. So before we answer that question, we have to answer the question of How, before we answer the question, wait, let me start all over because I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself because my head is racing and I know what I want to say, but I want to get everything in. Before we answer the question of how to love ourselves, we must first understand why we don't love on ourselves. And then when I say that, it might sound a little crazy, Because if I asked you, if I were to ask you, do you love yourself? The first response you would give me would be yes. Because we all feel that we love ourselves. But when we really look deep into the way we express love to others, do we express the same type of love and attention to ourselves? And that could be, it could be for very, you know, several different reasons why we don't express love to ourselves in the same manner that we would go out go out of our way to express it to others. And the speaker had said, she said, there's times where we will do anything for somebody. Somebody call us and we're straight ready to run there and do it for them. But for something that we want to do for ourselves, we'll be like, ah, I could get to that later. We'll push ourselves to the side but we'll make way or rearrange our day or our schedule to help someone else out. And that's all in the teaching and the understanding of wanting to be a good Christian, you know, wanting to extend to others, always give, give, give. But sometimes you can't give if you don't have anything to give, right? So you have to give to yourself. And we had talked about this before on the show that, I would tell to you sometimes, I would tell you that because I've been extending myself so much to so many people that it leaves me depleted and I have to fill myself back up again in order to be able to then give out. So there are several different reasons why we don't love ourselves in the same manner as we love others. One of the most obvious reasons is that because sometimes we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. She looks better than me. He looks better than me. I wish I were taller. I wish I were thinner. I wish I were fatter. You name it, we say it to ourselves, right? Another reason that we don't show love to others is because maybe if you really think back, and you know, whenever I'm Whenever I go into telling things, you know, I always take it back to the beginning, whether it be back to the beginning of the Bible or I tell you to go back to the beginning of 
what God told you, or even if go back to the beginning of what you could remember in your childhood, because it oh everything always stems from there's a there's a starting point for everything. Nothing just happens and it's oh it's just in and of itself. It just happened right now. There was always a starting point somewhere. Even if you can't find that starting point, there was always a starting point. It had to start somewhere. So another reason is because we weren't shown how to love ourselves or we weren't lavished with loves on ourselves when we were growing up. Meaning, and not everybody falls into this category, but I'm sure we all have a story from childhood that we could relate to that would say, hmm, that might have been the start of the little seed that was planted in me that now I feel this way about myself. We received criticism rather than praise. And although it could have been constructive criticism, it could have been the way that it was presented. Like, okay, take for example, you brought your report card home from school and you had B's and C's or you had 75's, 80's. And your parents would say, you know, you could have gotten an A or you could have got a 95 if you studied more. But now what if you know you studied You studied. I mean, you actually was like, you know what? I want to do good in this. I know I'm having problems here, so I'm really going to study. And you put all your effort into trying to do better in this class. But for some reason, it just wasn't clicking for you and your grades reflected it. But your parents say to you, oh, you could have done better if you studied more but they didn't see how much you were studying. So then it almost comes on you like, okay, so no matter what I do, no matter how much effort I put into something, it's never good enough, right? So as you grow older, you think the same thing when you're doing something and if it doesn't work out, oh, it's my fault because I didn't do more because I didn't, I could have did more, I could have did more, I could have, and to sometimes you can't do more. Sometimes it just is what it is. You did what you did. And that's it. You couldn't do more. Yeah, okay, if you know you could have did more, that's different. But sometimes you really could not have done more to get a different result. And then there are some kids, there are some kids who do need clear disciplinary criticism. Because now we've gotten to the point where because a lot of us have grown up where we didn't get the criticism in the right way, now The parents are overcompensating and they're praising the kids for everything. You can't praise someone for everything because then where is the balance? Because everything they do is not the best. Everything they do, they're not the greatest. I'm sorry. You're just not. How could you be the greatest of anything if you're five? And I'm not saying not to give them praise because, yes, you want to continue to encourage them, but you're not the greatest. You're five. So then he thinks, Oh, I'm the greatest, regardless of what it is, because I'm the greatest, because their little minds doesn't, they don't understand when they hear that they're taking it as overall, they're the greatest. So no matter what they venture into, oh, well, my mom tells me I'm the greatest. Even if you're the baddest person in the, in the whole house, you cause the most disruption, you know? So you have to, it's the way that you do it and the way that it's presented, everything has to be presented in balance. And I can remember, and it just brings back a story. For me, I can remember when my son brought home his report card right? 
And this was in junior high school. So it wasn't like he was a little kid, okay? He was well-versed in, you know, what he needed to do as far as getting grades in school. He comes home with his report card, and he failed Jim. Now, in my mind, when I see the report card, I'm like, how do you fail Jim? How could you, how could you fail Jim? I mean, are they giving you these tests that they're asking you body and muscle parts? And I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, there's, there's no written work in Jim. How did he fail Jim? So when I saw that, of course, you know, I had to ask him, uh, what's the problem here? Like, how did you fail, Jim? His response to me was, I have gym first period. And I'm not participating in a gym class after I just came home, you know, came out my house all nice and showered and smelling good. I'm going to go to first period gym class and get all sweaty and have to walk around school all day like I never, you know, left my house nice and clean. That's what his response to me was. I'm not getting undressed. In I'm not getting, because in gym, you used to have to change your clothes, put on your gym clothes, do whatever what you were learning, basketball, dodgeball, I don't know, whatever they were doing. Then change back into your regular clothes and go to class. He was like, no, no, no. Gym is first period. I'm not doing all that. He said, why can't they give me gym at the end of the day where once I have gym, I can go home and it's good. He says, I should walk around the, the school like this all day. No, I'm not doing that. So you know what my response was, right? You can just take a guess. And I was like, what do you mean you're not changing your clothes to participate in class? I'm like, oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yes, you are. If you just changing into a gym outfit will get you a passing grade, that's all you need to do. I don't care if you never touch a basketball. I don't care if you never do a sit-up. You will change those clothes to get that passing grade. So we went back and forth with this for a minute. But you know that next report card that came in, he passed. You know that next report card he passed. Because to me, it was like, are you kidding me? This, is, this grade is bringing your average down just because you don't want to take your clothes off. I was like, take those clothes off and change it to that whatever it is they want you to put on. But. Can I say, and I'm sure you can remember just for yourself, that you, you got in trouble sometimes for things that you might have done, and the first words out of your parents' mouth might have been, what's the matter with you? You know, it's like, what, what's wrong with you? But I'll admit that our parents didn't really know how to speak to us as children. They spoke to us the best way that they knew how, from what their parents taught them. So... I like to think of it this way. They weren't aware that grace really was for everyone and not just for those who got saved, you know? So if you ever asked the question of your child or as being a child, if you were ever asked, you know, what's the matter with you? You grew up with the feeling of that every decision that you made or every thought that you might have had was wrong because they were always questioning what's the matter with you. And you're like, there's nothing wrong with me. I thought I was doing the right thing. Instead of showing you how to do things. Of course, they did eventually get around to that. But their first initial response was, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? So we tend to beat ourselves up a little bit too much when we do things wrong and not give ourselves enough room to make mistakes. But if we think about this, if we think about this, right, if we struggle to give forgiveness to someone who's wronged us, what do we do to ourselves when we've wronged ourselves? What do we do? So, you know, if we're like, oh, I'm never going to talk to them again. When we do something wrong in our mind, we're like, oh, you know, 
You're so dumb. How, did, how could you do that? You do that over and over and over and over all the time. You're so stupid. You're so th- The things we say to ourselves, the thoughts that we have about ourselves can do more damage than what somebody else is saying to us because somebody is not constantly bombarding us with negativity about ourselves all day long. We do that more to ourselves all day long. So the first thing that we must do is we have to learn how to love ourselves by saying kind words to ourselves. And we learn how to speak to ourselves just how we practice how to speak to others. You know, because sometimes somebody will do something and you want to blurt out something, but you don't. You refrain from using such language and you approach them in a nicer way. So if you could take that time to do that when you're dealing with others, you should have the same leniency with yourself. Because remember, when we spoke last week, there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Our words have power. So we must learn to use our words positively towards ourselves. Right? And grace is giving to everyone at all times. I know I heard the phone ring, but I don't know if it picked up. Hello? Hello? I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you too. Good morning. But I don't hear me on the radio. Good morning. Yeah, you don't have to hear you on the radio, because if you hear you on the radio, then it's going to be feedback. (laughs) This is your Virginia girl. Hey. This is your Virginia I've been waiting for this opportunity to tell you I am just as exhausted as you are. Um, and part of that exhaustion and not feeling like doing anything is because for a long time I've poured into other people. And so when you ask the question about loving yourself, and I vowed to myself that I was going to make time to learn how to pour into myself, to sow into myself, because I know I'm good ground. And if I sow into me and stop worrying about everybody else, that I'm going to have a great, great harvest. And you did touch on um, growing up and whether or not people pour generational issues or whatever. You, you, If you don't do it. It's because maybe you never really learned how to do it. And if you don't have the people around you to be able to mentor to you that way, you can't just start. You have to start somewhere, right? And so I've decided that although there wasn't one, I'm going to start to be that one to sow and to do it for myself. Because the way the world is now uh, outside of sowing affirmations and being in a positive mindset, you can't get any of that from the way the world is going now. So I wanted to share with you that you have been touching a lot of the topics and I couldn't wait to kind of jump in. So thanks so much for this opportunity. And you want to know something? I'm so glad you called to tell us that because as I was, um, when I was getting this, uh, this whole topic together, I came across y- Ilanya. What's that? Did I say that right? It- Ilanya Van. What's her name? Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can't say her uh-huh. first name, but yes. And she was speaking to Oprah. And this was years ago when she first started on the Oprah show. She said to Oprah, when you say God 
fills your cup and it runneth over. The overflow is what we're supposed to give to people. When he fills our cup, what's in the cup is supposed to be for us. But a lot of us, we empty the cup, giving it to everyone else. Wow. And then we're waiting for it to be filled again. But if you give the overflow, because you know God is constantly filling us. So if we just give the overflow to the people, we're never depleted out of what he's given to us. Gotcha. That's good news. I'm so glad you called me this morning. Yes, have a great one. I'm still getting my points together, so keep it flowing. We'll try again next time. <laughs> okay, love. You have a blessed day. Talk to you soon. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was my Virginia lady. I'm so glad she called in, and I'm so glad that she made that point. She was feeling depleted because she was constantly giving, 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 and that can and that can happen to all of us because we're so... I want to give, I want to help, I want to do, but you could only do to the capacity of what you have. And if you keep giving to everyone without making sure you have enough for yourself, it will leave you tired. It will leave you like, oh, I can't be so bothered. Like I was feeling last week, it can make you feel that way. But here it is, when we learn how to speak to ourselves, this is how we fill our cup back up and more so Not just how to speak to ourselves, but when we speak to ourselves the way God speaks to us, when we see ourselves as God sees us, because like she said, the world is not going to give it to you. Don't even think about it. They're not studying you at all, but God is always studying you, always. His eyes are always on you. So if we think of ourselves the way God thinks about us, That's where we can get our cup filled and then have the overflow. And Isaiah 43, 4 tells us that to him, we're precious and honored in his eyes. So if you just look at yourself as, you know, I'm precious. You know, I'm not going to beat myself up of what happened, what I might have done and not did it the way I wanted it to come out. Because a lot of times we put extra pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And we know we cannot be perfect. None of us are perfect. There was only one perfect man, and that was Jesus. And Psalm 139.14 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So for something to be wonderfully made, it had to take time. God took time to create each and every one of us. We're all unique. We are all standalone individuals. It's not a cookie cutter like when you make sugar cookies for Christmas where you just roll out the dough and just take that star and just go click, 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 click because you want a thousand star cookies. No, that's not how God made us. If every snowflake that falls out of the sky has a different shape. Okay, we're talking about snow, crystallized water. And you know how snow falls. And you know how many flakes it takes to get an accumulation. So if every one of those snowflakes has a different shape, why wouldn't God take the time to make us different and unique? And that's what we need to remember about ourselves. Zephaniah 2 and 8 tells us that we're the apple of his eye. 
Do you know what it means to be the apple of someone's eye? We use that as a, a expression of endearment. When you really, really like, oh my gosh, she's the apple of my, you really love that person. God, and that's in our human form. We really love that person. God loves us way beyond what we could even fathom loving another individual. And we think to the extent that we love someone is like, you couldn't get any deeper love. I kid, don't kid yourself. There is a deeper love. There's a love that God has that is so deep we can't even comprehend. And Zephaniah 3.17 tells us that the Lord rejoices over us with gladness. His creation, which is us here in the earth, he rejoices over us. He loves us unconditionally no matter what we have done, what we are doing, or what we plan to do. Because, you know, some of us plan way ahead to sin. Okay, let's just keep it real. We plan ahead to sin. Oh, next week, I know I'm going to go do blah, 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 blah. And you know it's against what God told you to do. And I'm not even saying it's against what the Bible said. We won't even go into biblical scriptures. We'll just go by what he said to you. Because there's times God is having a conversation with you. And he's not taking you to the scripture, blah, blah, blah. He's talking to you straight out right there in your situation. But here you go. You know what? I still think next week I'm going to go do. So even in that, no, no matter how educated we are or not, no matter how rich we are or not, how beautiful we think we are or not. Because only man looks at those things. Man, look, man looks on the outside, right? God looks at the heart and he knows what he created and he knows what he's placed in you. So he loves you all the time. And if you could just remember that, and I know sometimes it's hard to remember that because we're always looking for that physical being to be there. But if you just take that time and when he says, if you remember the scripture, be still and know that I'm God. If you just sit still in your quiet moment, just sit still and think of all those things. I am precious to God. God loves me no matter what. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm blessed and highly favored. He rejoices over me with gladness. You will feel him. You will feel his presence in you, around you. But you have to sit still. A lot of us don't feel him because we don't sit still long enough. We need to start learning how to sit still. And that's how we'll start to be able to love on ourselves as well. Because when you sit still with yourself, that's the only time you could really talk to yourself. Because when you're talking to yourself and your emotion, nothing that you're saying is good things. You're like, oh, I got to hurry up and get here. Oh, I didn't do this. Oh, let me run and do that. That's what you're saying to yourself when you're emotion. When you're sitting still, what you're saying to yourself might be when you first sit down is, oh, I'm so exhausted. Oh, thank God I get to sit down. But if you stay in that, thank God for, thank God for, I thank you God for, then you'll start to feel the love. And it starts to build up on you loving yourself. And Isaiah 54 and 10 tells us, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, 
nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. And with that, we're going to take a music break. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. I tried to make this better It didn't go so well Some things in life I can't make right All by myself Seems like an uphill battle Feels like it's just no fair Some things in life I can't make right But even then I've gotta Just surrender I run from it every time Don't I believe He's all I need Even when I Feel like I'm treading water Fighting for every breath Don't I believe He's all I need You give me together
to hold us Finding peace like looking for gold dust You said you'll never forsake us I only see the pain that breaks us Your promises stay in my brain though Our hopes coming down like rain in the window The hate that I see in between us Causing betrayal like Judas and people Despite the fear that they're feeding Earth needs a miracle healing We're seeking pleasures for free Like we have been given a magical genie Running when storms get reckless Cause under your shadow is safest Never alone or clinging to Jesus Cause only he can guide and protect us Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show I call Op-Ed. And because we're in Black History Month, you know, I'm going to pour into you anytime I hear stories that I don't think get enough recognition or story that you, stories that you might not know because Believe it or not, black history that everyone is fighting for to have taught in the schools is not even going to scratch the surface of black history. There were so many people in history that you just never are going to hear about because their stories were never documented now, now that people are starting to become aware and they're starting to really dig deep to find the stories, they might find little clips of something that might have happened. And then when they look back into it, it's like, oh, wow, that was a black person. You know, but at the time. They knew it was a black person in the 1800s, they knew. But because the story never got passed on, and I'm not saying it's only happened to black people. Don't get me wrong. When I say things pertaining to black people and I emphasize the importance of it, I'm emphasizing the importance of it because they, uh, we are an overlooked people. Let's just put it out there. We're an overlooked people. We've a people who have been, they have tried to cover every story when I say cover, I mean cover up stories about us because they it's like as if they don't want us to exist. So the, the argument of having black history in American history, you can't tell America's story without having black people in it. You can't have America, America's story told without having indigenous people in it. I'm sorry, you just cannot. You can't tell a story and leave out main characters. That's not a story. That's not a story. 
How do you how do you tell a story and you don't have the main characters in it? Because it, it's almost like, all right, well, why well, why did you make that law? If what was the purpose of making that law? Because you're going to bring up that question, and then what's going to be the answer to it? If these people didn't exist, or if these people weren't around, then 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 why then why did you do all what you did? So I say that just to say. Here, in this year, the first black Green Beret, and I'm sure you probably saw it on news, Paris Davis, he's a retired United States Army officer, finally got approved to receive the Medal of Honor. Now, they were giving him the Medal of Honor from actions that he did back in 1965 in the Vietnam War. But this is how the story is. And we all know people that get Medal of Honors, it's always years after when they did what they did in the wars. We know that. So I'm not making it, I'm not saying that, oh, they took so long to, you know, give him his medal. No, that's not the part of the story I want to emphasize. The part of the story that I want to emphasize is twice he was nominated for this Medal of Honor and both times his paperwork mysteriously disappeared. See, that's the part of the story that I want to tell. I'm not saying that, oh, they should have honored him when he first got it, because we see they've there have been retired soldiers. There's even some that's passed away and they're finally giving them a medal, oh, a medal of honor. I get that. But the fact that he was nominated twice and his paperwork disappeared. How does paperwork disappear? We know when we want paperwork to disappear, it never disappears. Nothing that we want to get rid of or let it just not have happened. That never happens. But they nominated this man twice. The first black Green Beret. Twice they nominated him for what he did in 1965 and twice his papers mysteriously disappeared. So this year they're giving it to him. I guess they say three is a charm, right? So I wanted to mention that. And that's why I mentioned these stories, because the stories that I'm telling. It's they're getting recognition because of something that somebody else tried to cover up and hide. When you keep trying to cover up and hide things, they're going to come out. And our, I told you from the top of this year that this was going to be it. God is showing everything. Every, the, the earth is opening up. Everything is being revealed. So all that you think you're covering, all that you think you're hiding, you're not. But here's another interesting story. And I found this very fascinating. And I see how the media will run with what they want to run with, right? So now... I'm going to say the name to you, Elizabeth Jennings. And I know you're probably like, okay, who's that? But she was a woman in 1895 who, well, let me just start from the beginning. We all know who was the first black, who they dubbed as being the first black woman to not want to give up her seat on public transportation. Soon as I say that, everybody's going to say, Rosa Parks. But can I tell you, Rosa Parks wasn't the first one. First of all, Rosa Parks wasn't the first one even in the civil rights movement to not give up her seat. So let's just clarify that. But Rosa Parks was the face they wanted to use to be the one that, oh, she was the first one not to give up her seat. But that's a whole nother story behind that. And I don't have time to get into that right now. But all right, I'll say it. I'll say it. I might as well say it because I already opened up that can of worms. Rosa Parks was Rosa Parks was a fair skinned black woman. Right. But there were darker skinned black women that didn't give up their seats 
right, in the civil rights movement. And actually, one of them, her name was Claudette Colvin. She was a teenager. In 1955, she didn't want to give up her seat, and she didn't. But they used Rosa Parks because they figured Rosa Parks was a nicer version of black people to put out there to white people who was already against the movement. But if they saw a pleasant face that wasn't as dark, they would be more receptive to the movement. But that's another story within itself, like I said. But here, let's go back to Elizabeth Jennings. Elizabeth Jennings in the 1950s was on a horse-drawn streetcar, which was the modern mode of transportation back in the day, and they were run by private companies. So it gave their owners and their drivers the power to, de- to decide who they wanted to pick up and who not, just like the yellow taxi cabs t- of today, right? If a yellow taxi cab, we know back in the day before Lyft and Uber, if a taxi driver didn't want to pick you up, people of color, they would ride right by you and go right there to the next corner and get the person that didn't have color. And I have a problem with that, too, that we have to discuss. Why is it that, why is it that, <laughs> and I don't understand, people of color, like the people who don't have color, is not, it's not a color? Well, anyway, anyway, I digress. So Elizabeth Jennings, she was running late to work, right? And she was an organist at a church. So she hopped on a streetcar labeled Whites Only at Pearl and Chatham Streets right here in New York. See, this segregation, segregation just wasn't in the South. Segregation was up here in the North, too. So when you want to hear about the abolitionists and they helped the black people and blah, 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 it was only a hand few. Let's not even tote that up here, New York and everybody was so liberal. They had their racism up here too. So streetcars labels white only, right? But the conductor ordered her to get off. And when she refused, the conductor and the policeman forcibly removed her. So now you know back in the day, you see what they do to black people now when they forcibly remove them with something. So could you imagine how they forcibly removed this lady? We won't even think about it. So her father, who was the first African-American to receive a U.S. patent for the dry cleaning method. You know all those cleaners that you take your clothes to because you need your clothes dry cleaned and pressed and steamed all nicely? Black man was the first man who received the patent for that. So, you know, if, if you receive a patent for something, that means that you invented it, right? Mm, okay. Thomas Jennings is his name. And he rallied behind her cause. Her family and the church formed the Legal Rights Association and hired a young Chester Arthur who would go on to be president as her attorney. In 1855, they achieved a court victory which led to the desegregation of New York City's public transportations a hundred years before the fight in Alabama. So think about it, people. If it wasn't for Elizabeth Jennings saying, no, I'm sitting on this streetcar, we wouldn't be riding these MTA buses today. Think about that. Your freedom to go on and off the train started because of Elizabeth Jennings a hundred years before the South even thought about, I'm not giving up my seat. 
Now, those are the stories that are buried and discarded. And that ends up Ed. So, we know our word of the month, because we are still in February, is dedicated, devoted to a task or purpose, having single-minded loyalty or integrity. I hope that you've dedicated something to, you know what? This month, we've dedicated to loving ourselves. Since this is deemed the month of love, Black History Month also, let's dedicate to loving ourselves for being who we are. Because like I said, remember, we're precious. We're precious in his eyesight. We're the apple of his eye. So let's be dedicated to loving ourselves for who we are this month. And I'll promise for the week, and this goes to show you just how important, just how important you are to the Lord. Because if Satan went to God and made this statement, if he knows how important you are, you should definitely know how important you are. Job 1 and 10, when he goes, to, if anybody knows the story of Job, and I'm sure you all do, but it's worth reading again. When Satan goes to God and says, you know, he comes to him because Satan always has to have permission to touch anyone that is in God. If you didn't recall that, the ones who aren't in God, Satan, he could do whatever he want with them. But anyone that's in God, Satan has to get permission before he does anything to you or around you, right? So he goes to God and he's looking for permission to touch someone. So God tells him, oh, look at my servant Job. And this is what Satan says. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. So that's the promise I want you to hold on to this week. If Satan knows that the Lord has made a hedge of protection around you, around your household, around everything that you own on every side, why can't you think of yourself like that? You're wrapped in a cocoon of protection from the Lord. And you he's blessed the works of your hands. He's blessed the works of your hands and the possessions and your possessions have increased in the land. Satan is saying this about a servant of the Lord. We are all servants of the Lord. So whatever Satan sees as being on Job, he sees as being on you. Satan sees that you're covered, you're protected, you're loved, you're blessed, you're multiplying everything that God has poured into you, Satan sees that you're, you're thriving in it because you're blessing God. And Job constantly blessed the Lord in all that he did. So I want you to hold on to that promise. And I'm sure you might not have ever looked at it that way because you probably looked at it as that Satan talking about Job. But when you think about it, that's Satan talking about all the saints of God. 
Satan sees all of us as such, being protected, being covered, being blessed, being prosperous, being anything, anything that we want to be increasing in the land. That's a promise I want you to hold on to in this month of being dedicated to loving yourself and who you are and who God created to you to be, right? So let's learn to be kind to ourselves. Let's speak kind words to ourselves. Let's have kind thoughts about ourselves. And some of us need that. Some of us need that. Let's not look to the world for things that we know the world is not going to give us because the world is not set up like that. And what we have to remember is, what did we always used to hear when we were in church? You're in the world, not of the world. And I laugh because I could see this woman when I was younger. She used to always say that to a group of us because we would be, of course, young girls running around, running around in the church, doing what we weren't supposed to be doing or being someplace we weren't supposed to be. And she would always stop us. She'd be like, listen, young ladies, you are in the world, not of the world. And we all look at each other like, what is she talking about? But of course, as a nine-year-old, of course, you're going to say, what is she talking about whenever an adult says something to you? But I want us to remember that as adults, we are in the world. This is not our, this is not our place. And I'm not trying to get all crazy and cuckoo like some people say, oh, you know, the way you talk. And no, the reality of it is I'm just passing through. I'm only passing through. I'm here for a short moment. You know, life is fleeting. Blink of an eye, you could be gone. And I'm not saying not to be morbid or anything either, but it's the truth. Nobody knows their days. Nobody knows their time here. So just as quickly as you came and you weren't aware of it when you came, you're going to be gone, right? But as you're passing through, know what you should be doing. Know what you're put here to do. Do it and then move on. So that's why I want us to hold on to loving oneself, being kind to oneself, especially in this month. Dedicate this month and every day going forward as well, but we're going to really pay attention to it in this month, to loving yourself, to knowing how precious you are, how special you are in God's eyes, and that he loves you regardless. He loves you regardless of anything going on with you. So you can never fall out of love with him. Never, ever, ever. I don't care what you do. Whatever you do, you can never fall out of his love because he's always going to love you, even when you're bad. Don't you love your if you have pets, right? And I'm going to use pets as an example because more people have pets than they have children. If you have a pet and the pet happens to tear up something, your favorite pair of shoes, because we all know when they're puppies, they like to chew on things. Are you going to throw that dog out? Well, some might. Some might say, why did I get this dog? And, and get, Well, but not the ones who really love their dogs. The one who really loves their dogs, they're not going to get rid of the dog. They're just going to be like, oh, let me get you a chew toy so you won't keep chewing on my shoes. That's the way God looks at you. He's looking at you like, you know what? I need to give you a chew toy because you just keep tearing things up. So I need to just get things straight for you. But with that, my time is growing short. I want to say have a blessed week, stay safe, enjoy your day, and until God brings us back together again, peace.
See?